Good morning. Well, let us read some scriptures today as we approach a subject matter this morning. Uh, we have been talking about a number of things, and one of those was to not be afraid of the darkness, and learning how to interpret the darkness. And uh, these things are very vital to, to you know, our mission. Our eternal destiny is safe and secure, but our daily agendas, I mean, have great possibilities, you know. And at the same time, those daily agendas also have, can have great opposition. And uh, uh, so within that framework, uh, this morning, let us read some scriptures. For thus saith the Lord, how many know if God says something, we should listen to it? Right. Once more, it is a little while. I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations. And they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of the things that are made. That the things which cannot be shaken may remain. God is after durable things. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Just a slight overview, hardly complete, of a message that references the end time. This morning I want to talk to us about heaven's end time forecast. God's event calendar. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus preached a sermon about the time of the end. And in that sermon, he explicitly says and prohibits the speaking of Christ's return in terms of day and hour. But it is clear that the calendar we are to use is not the one of months and years, but rather events. Yes, events. God's end time SOS. God's prophetic word that fills us in about the future 
that when the future gets here, we're not in the dark. In Matthew 24, it gives us some events in the arena of those events that take place. One is the arena of religion. Religion. Number two, the arena of politics. Number three, the arena of nature. Number four is the arena of society. And number five, the arena of knowledge. All of those arenas, and I mean our event arenas, speaking to us about the time, you know, because when Jesus was asked that question about a major thing, an event that was going to take place, he was asked, you know, when shall these things be? And he does not give them a date, you know what I mean? But he gives them events, events that will take place in that time. We read the passage of scripture that God says, I'm going to shake everything. Yes. He wants to shake us to wake us. He wants to pull us closer to himself. That's what Haggai said in that passage of scripture. God was going to shake us. He was going to try and loose us from unnecessary distractions that have nestled in the branches of our life. He does not shake us to create turmoil. Now, he simply shakes us to awake us. What time is it in the itinerary of God? And how do I fit in to that itinerary? That intercept of the mind of God, that all-knowing God, as he watches over the universe, the people on earth. And in this prophecy and sermon that he gives, he tells us of storm warnings, future plans, heavenly forecasts. It really is a heavenly almanac about what is and will be. It is an alert from heaven. Reading the signs of the time. In that forecast, he tells us that there's war and violence and lawlessness. He tells us that there's a civilization, civilizations that's bankrupt of workable solutions. They can't handle the global problems and the calamities. They're out of the domain of human solutions. He talks about drought and famine, wherein just fundamental things they are happening to our planet, no matter what you think about all of the headlines. He forecasts the areas for us to look at a weather forecast for planet Earth. By the way, that's where you are. That's where we're at. In nature, he says there's going to be global extremes. In culture, he said that there's going to be a desensitizing us regarding sin. In the political scene, he said that there will be wars and rumors of wars. In the spiritual realm, he said that there would be deceptions, false prophets, teachers, religions. We can look at so many things this morning. 
says that there will be a rise in spiritualism. Yes, there would be a world pushing for peace. Let me read you some quotes from present day leaders. Japan's prime minister said, the earthquakes that they're now experiencing is the worst disaster since World War II when the tsunami took out their nuclear plants and released it into the air. Australia is facing the most devastating floods and they call it floods of biblical proportion. The air of nations are being shaken through revolution and uprising. Haggai said, I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms and destroy the power of kingdoms of nations. Russia is suffering the worst drought in 100 years. And as you know that America is in a moral free fall. The increase of sin. And Christians turning away from the truth. It's what we might call a crisis of faith. But you know that crisis of faith is not so much one of faith that, against, that is against unbelief. But the crisis rather is of true faith versus false faith. He said it's within the church, not just outside the church. It is a spiritual deception, and I do not have a finger to point this morning, but I do have a responsibility to repeat the events that Jesus preached on that sermon on the Mount. And all of this events that yes, they have been around, they're not new, but they increase. And yet there seems to be a blindness to those events. One of the reasons there's a blindness to the events is because in the midst of all of those calamities, life runs normal. For in the days of Noah it shall be, as in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, they were marrying and giving in marriage. They were buying, they were selling. Everything just seemed to be running smooth on the home turf. But on the event scene, it wasn't the same. Peter writes and says that they say everything continues as it were. And of this, they are willingly or intentionally. I don't want to go there. It might disrupt me. Yeah. So, in this event, time determining. Life does not shut down. It does not shut down. That normal life becomes the blinders to the events of the end time. Now, of course, the interpretation and the 
the beliefs concerning end time is as varied as there are people. But I think we can all agree this morning that Jesus is coming. Now you may be pre, mid, or post. I don't know, but somewhere in between there he's coming. He said, I don't want that day to overtake you unaware. Well, God hasn't set a date, revealed it to us. But he has given us events. He has given us events that are taking place and will take place as he, the door nears for his coming. It's a challenge, church. It's a challenge to find ourselves living the tension of realization and expectation. It's a challenge living in the already and yet not yet. These forecasts, they're not designed to make us afraid. They're designed so we awake and be ready. Because be ready for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man shall come. I love normalcy as much as anybody. Fact is, when you get old, you even want it more normal. And I'm not old yet. <laughs> but I can read the events. <laughs> I can feel the events that's telling me something. Yeah. This wake up, this event awareness is a call for us to be faithful and to walk close to Jesus. That when those storms and when those calamities or opportunities arise, we are ready. Ready. Amen? Absolutely. God has a mission for the church. And one of the events was this gospel shall be preached in all of the world. Then shall the end come. I love the fact that he assures us in spite of the impossible, the gospel will be preached. Amen. In spite of the conditions, there is a gospel for those conditions. We have the gift of today. The gift of today. Yes. I believe that revival is always on God's table. I believe that restoration is always on God's table. I believe that recovery is always on God's table. I believe that plans are good, for good are always on God's table. Think about it. Today is a gift from God. These end-time events need to become motivating factors. Getting us prepared, getting us ready, motivating us. We become assistance to bringing in revival. 
You see, Joel said this. Whenever there's a destroying army that comes through, God follows up with a restoring army. Somebody give a Lord a praise. He follows up with a restoring. It says this, you know what I mean? That which the locust has eaten, the canker worm, and all those armies that went through. But after it, hallelujah, God brings a revival of restoration. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Yes. So as God is awaking his wonderful church, he is not saying, stop doing life. But he just might be saying, adjust how you're doing life. See, it's possible to be asleep to God's voice, just like Jonah. As he was asleep in the boat, and it took a pagan ship's captain to shake the teacher of God's word and to wake him up. It took an event that the heathen read quicker than Jonah did. He said, this is abnormal. I've been on the sea. I've had waves before. This is unusual. This is not just nature. This is God. Let's go ahead and find out what the key is. Because if we don't get the waters calm, everybody's going down. So he wakes Jonah. And of course, God points his finger in that case. There was Jonah asleep to his mission. Jonah. Get out. Go to Nineveh. Tell them that judgment is coming. You know, God always wants to give mercy. That's why Jonah says, I'm just not going because I know what you're like, God. I'm going to stand before those people and tell them that, you know what I mean? You know, their end is coming, and then you're going to go, oh, I'm going to postpone it. <laughs> and I got to take the blunt of it. It's okay if you tell people judgment is coming and God shows them mercy and, and gives them time and space in between. Because that's what God is about. Because that's what the gospel of the kingdom is. The gospel shall go into all the world. It's going to go into the world where all of these events, timing events are taking place. Whether here in our homeland or across the seas. There is something in this being ready and it's called evacuation notice. God's planning an evacuation. But there's some things that he's got to finish. And that's what all of this thing is about. When you take the events... The scripture plainly says, it's just God finishing up things. Woo! Hallelujah. This old earth is (coughs) 
not going to make its change until God says it's time to make a change. But it can have signs of the birthing pains of that very fact. So I give you this morning and myself evacuation notice. Jesus is coming. In the New Testament, frequently encouraged the consciousness of Jesus is coming. Don't fall into the trap of losing that eternal perspective. No, things are just like Grandpa said. Great Grandpa said. They're not. Paul writes to the Colossians and he says we need to maintain an eternal perspective. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says set your affections on things above where Christ is sitting on the right hand of God and that word set literally means to perpetually keep thinking eternal perspectives. Let life be normal, but always keep an eye on the coming of Jesus Christ. Gotta take a moment and talk about sleepwalking. Yeah. So that we're rapture ready. Great event that's on the horizon. Titus said, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm in no hurry to get out of here. I've just got too much to live for here. Yeah. But at the same time, he says we need to be aware and ready so that day does not overtake us as a thief in the night. Basically, you know what I mean, saying... You need to open the door when he comes. <laughs> Come on in. I'm ready. Bless Steve. He just laid to rest his dad, 91 years of age. And as I understand the story, he kind of said, okay, it's time. I'm going to open the door. When he opened the door, God took him home, just like that. What a wonderful way to go. We don't all go that way. There'll be more of us going up together than at one at a time. Therefore, do not sleep as others do. You know, when Laura talked to us this morning and Doug talked to us, trying to help us so we're not 
sleeping like some are. Let us watch and be sober. Sleepwalking. There's a profound blindness to reality. They're not aware of how close they are to disaster. There's a spiritual indifference, a lack of concern about people's eternal state. I love Paul when he looked at Israel of his natural lineage, he said this. He said, I wish I could be a castaway. I wish I could be the sacrifice. I give up everything just so Israel could be saved. I mean, you know, that's a burden for the lost. Huh? Yep. That's, here they are, people of the covenants of promise, but they were missing their moment. He says, oh, he said, somehow I can just go ahead and help them not to miss their moment. He said, I'd give up my moment for it. I wonder today if it's possible to be lulled to sleep by an evil lullaby. something about sleepwalking, spiritual sleepwalking that there's an illusion. We fail to see the need around us. Jesus said in John chapter 4 verse 35, don't say there's four months to harvest. Now all the farmers here, how many know that Getting the timing right is important <laughs> for harvest. All the work you put into it before can be lost if you don't get the harvest time right. Jesus is coming. How do I know? All the events are telling us that Jesus is coming. And no matter how long it will be, it will always be soon. Did you know that? He says, always view it as being soon. Always view it as being soon. Don't view it like you have time. View it like it's soon.
as we learn to wake up from our sleepwalk, if that should happen to be the case. And you know what I mean? And, and I'm not going to stand here before you, you know what I mean? And, you know, tell you that I've never gotten groggy. <laughs> I've gotten groggy. How to wake up. You need to keep good Christian company. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. I'm not interfering with schedules, okay? I'm not interfering with schedules here. I know everybody's schedule's different. It's, so that's not, the, that's not the element there. But the body getting together is a good way to stay awake. My wife, she tells me, I'm sitting in my chair. She can see me falling asleep. She says, you need to get up. She has no sympathy for my tiredness. What do you expect? Fall asleep if you, you know, in a lounger, you know, comfort. Oh, yes. Why do we need togetherness? Well, because we're members one of another. You know, there was such a powerful presence of the Lord today, here today. We thank God for that. But you know that a lot of that's due because so many of you came. Imagine all the Holy Ghost temples getting together. Yeah. I'm not making a plug for just attendance or making a plug for, you know what I mean, waking up. We get more done together than we do apart. Yes. Two are better than one. You got to keep your vision clear. And you got to stay busy for God. Know what God's called you to do and just stay there and and do it. You want to wrap up your life like Paul did with his. He said, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I've kept the faith. First Thessalonians 5 and 6, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. We must not be drunk on society. No. We must, must not be inebriated you know, by the culture. We must be influenced by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives. I pray myself, wake me, O God. Wake me, O God. This is not a time to regress. 
to protect. It's time to reset. It's time to resist. God shakes us so he can shake the world. Isaiah. You remember the story of his shaking. Whoa. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm unholy. But how many know after his personal shaking that it transformed to the shaking of the world? He said, here am I. Send me. See, God cares about the world that's being shaken, about the people that are in the midst of the shaking, about the people that are not even aware of the shaking. Like what Romans says. Chapter 13 from the Message Bible. Listen to it. Make sure you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over. The dawn is about to break. Be up and awake for what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when, he, when we first relieved. We can't afford to waste a minute. Must not squander those precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence and sleeping around dissipation and bickering and Grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed. Get dressed. Don't loiter. Linger. Waiting until the very last moment. Dress yourself in Christ. Yeah. We all need to refresh our commitments. And our statements of faith. And follow Joshua. You remember the day that he stood before Israel. Said it's decision time. Decision time. You make it. I'll tell you what my decision is, he said. He said, I'm going all up for God. The choice has to be intentional. And I'm sure that you made that. But sometimes to wake up, it has to be intentional. Choose for yourself. He pointed out the urgency of it. This day. And he pointed out that the choice is unavoidable. Whom you will serve. And the choice is generational. It's generational. Mom and dad, every household. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, I'm making a choice, not just for my present days, but I'm making a choice for my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. Oh, hallelujah. 
It's a thousand generations, isn't it? The blessing goes. The curse is three or four. The blessing can reach a thousand generations. Why wouldn't we reach into the future? Amen. Hallelujah. With the promise of God and say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Sorry, son, daughter, grandkids. You weren't in on the choice. But you're going to make the right choice because I made the right choice. Hallelujah. Just like Jesus made a choice. He made a choice for us. As my musicians come this morning. Joshua said this. He said, if you're really going to go forward and you're going to make this choice, you're going to have to put away some gods. They were part of your life. They were part of the yesterdays. made to make a decision say you know what no you've been hanging around too long you had a part in my life in it part of it for the time How do you get rid of an idol? You starve it. You gotta starve it. You gotta say no. I'm gonna feed you. You can go through deliverance, and all of that is powerful. but you can't make room for them. You can't make room for them. got to say no. Say no. You're going to have to have some backbone. Paul said it's time to wake up. Let's put this on Paul's shoulders this morning, Okay. It's time to wake up. What? We're the church. We're believers. He says, and do this knowing the time. The time comes into play. Do you understand that? It might have been okay back here but it's not okay because of the time time and now it's high time in other words apparently us kids will know about that mom and dad would come in and you know what I mean? And trying to get us up in the morning, they'd wake us up, you know what I mean? And then they'd go out, you know what I mean? And, you know, and five, ten minutes later, nobody showed up, you know, and they have to go back up to the room and wake them up again. And finally, you know, look out. Maybe a bucket of cold water, you know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever. Whatever it took to wake them up. And God says, I'm going to shake everything because I want you awake. Hallelujah. I want you awake. Awake to the time. It's time to clean up. 
Paul said, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. God says, I want your private life to be like somebody is watching it. Time to wake up, time to clean up, and time to dress up. 13 and 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. That doesn't include your fun time. That doesn't include, you know what I mean, your activity. It's talking about those inordinate desires that cool you toward God and draw you away. Said, put them off. Put him on for direction in your life. Put him on for deliverance in your life. Put him on for dominion in your life. Stand with me today. I love you too much. God says, I love you too much. I love you too much. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. The gospel is going to be preached. That is the great certainty and the great assurance. It will be preached. And will you be a preacher? preacher. Listen, church, it takes more than the roar of concerts, the glitz of technology, the grandeur of our meeting places. It takes more than that. It takes the Holy Spirit. Amen. We thank God for all of those things and for the avenues that we have, but it takes the Holy Spirit. Amen. Give the Lord a praise today. Yes. Amen. The gospel will not be preached without the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. But it is guaranteed it will be preached because, you know, God is not shaken. <laughs> Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Go with God. Hallelujah. Because he's going with you. Bless you in Jesus' name.